I'm Danny Higginbotham, and you're listening to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Preseason is well underway, and we haven't signed Bruno. Arnie looks to be on his way, and Stoke have once again conceded four goals to the first half-decent opposition we've encountered. But we at the Wizards of Drivel don't like to see the glasses half-empty. No, instead we're celebrating a first Stoke goal for Saido Berahino, some exciting performances from our youth players, and of course we tasted urine. Cup glory, as Stoke became the first English side to win the Swiss pre-season tournament since 1963. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Good morning. And Chris Brammer. Good morning. We'll start by uh, looking back over our three friendlies we've played so far. A 1-0 win over Neutrattle Jamax and a penalty shootout victory over Young Boys turned out to be enough for Stoke to win the Uren Cup. And <laughs> on Saturday, we were defeated 4-2 by Monaco in Martigny. Uh, what have we made of Stoke's performances so far, Ben? Well, they've they've been interesting, I think. I mean... How much can you take from from preseason games? I've said this many times in the past few years, and I'll say it again. Um, but what I've enjoyed seeing from the Stoke performances is the the number of players that we've seen playing. I mean, I didn't really expect to see Imbula play um, and stuff like that. So it's nice to see that. And obviously, we've had lots of youth players come into the squad, um, go abroad, which is which must be a great experience for them, um, even if they're going to head off on loan um, come the season. Then at least they've had that sort of that training with the first team and, and that experience. So yeah, I think it's it's been promising. They've been fine. Um, nothing really horrendous. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. I I think the one thing, obviously, the issue is the centre backs at the moment for me. But yeah, other than that, I think we're all right. Yeah, it's it's a it's good to have football back, isn't it? Really. Um, it's funny that. <laughs> the back end of last season we were wanting it to end and now I'm really happy that I get to watch Stoke play again um, I, I was quite happy that we were relatively decent at keeping the ball in pre in the well in these last few matches I know it's um, as Ben says it's just pre-season friendlies and they don't mean much they're they're hardly the most intense games but it was nice to see a combination of players being able to rotate the ball keep the ball well Um I do agree with Ben that defensively we've looked a little bit suspect, but then we've had a real combination of different back lo- uh, back four, and it, it does. It, these matches don't really mean much apart from getting the fitness up, getting to see what some of these young players are about. And Imbula playing, he's played every single game. It's been um, I don't know if that's putting him in the shop window or or not, but. Um, no, it was it was good, and I think importantly in the second uh, game, for us to be two 0 down to come two two back into the game, uh, I think that was quite an important thing for us uh, in terms of a mindset. I can't believe you're talking down the historic importance of the Euren Cup by saying friendlies don't mean much. I mean, <laughs> the last English side to win it was Ipswich Town in 1963, who uh, the next season were relegated. Um, but but we've broken at the Swiss monopoly on that trophy. Um, <laughs> I think Galatasaray, uh, of course they're from Turkey, but Galatasaray won it last year, and uh, and we've just we've just stamped our authority all over that tournament. Played one, won one. So Hughes uh, just brings trophies to Stoke. He had the Staffordshire <laughs> Senior Cup last year, of course. Nello's BAFTA, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> We've taken we've taken a big squad to Switzerland, as you yeah. say, and we've seen uh, 
almost two separate 11s per half, near enough. And we've also seen a lot of young players on show. Uh, Chris, have you been encouraged by the likes of Ngoy, Verlinden, Edwards, Tymon? Mm, yeah, Tymon especially. I think um, I'd, uh, having only known that he played a few games for Hull, I didn't really know what to expect from him. But he's come in and he has done a, a decent job. And surprisingly, they've played him a little bit at left wing, which I find quite um, quite interesting. Um I think Valinden has stood out. He's another one who's played pretty much every game. Um, and Goy, of course, has a place in our heart uh, and has shown himself to be well. I think that they, they still show that they are young, raw talents and they definitely need to um, improve. I'm I'm yet to be fully convinced that first day of the season we would play one of them in the starting lineup. But um, but I'm I, there are a lot of positive signs. I think the defence as well. Some of the players who've come in and played in um, defensive positions, uh, Sweeney and and Suter, they've done they've done well as well. So yeah, do you know what? It's it's nice to see them being played and not it not just being a token. Throw, oh, let's throw them in. They they've played well. They've been a part of the team, and I think that's that's good. It, it gives me room for positivity anyway. Uh, also looking at the squad, Ben, we've seen Mbula come in, as you've mentioned, and play well. We've seen Jakob Haugard be a hero in a penalty shootout. We've also seen like players we'd completely forgotten about, like Philip Walsh I'd play. Are you looking at these guys playing as anything other than kind of a token thing, maybe to put them in a shop window? Or do you perhaps see a future for some of these guys who we've perhaps dismissed? What you'd like to think, realistically, is that if they they impress um, in this preseason, if they work hard, um, then they can they can still have a role at Stoke. I mean, Imbula is obviously the one I think most people will be interested in with his with his talent on the ball. That's um, clear to see for everyone. I think he's shown that he has got that something special with transitioning from defence to attack. But I think there were issues, or there were reported issues, with his attitude um, to training. I don't know. I obviously we don't know the sort of full details of that whether he was turning up late or it was just sort of a, a perceived lack of interest because of his personality, I don't know. But um, obviously there's been a, I think there's been a couple of Sentinel articles saying if the right price comes in, then Imbula will go, which I think is fair enough. I mean, Hughes obviously isn't his biggest fan and it'll be difficult for him to get back involved. But what he has done for us in these, in these pre-season fixtures has shown that he can do a job. And if the right price wasn't to come in, um, you'd hope that he would get like be involved in the matchday squad again because obviously at the end of the last season he didn't play at all. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be hopeful that the whole point of these pre-season fixtures are surely for the players in the squad to impress. And and if a youth player was to do sensationally well and show that he could come into the first team squad on a sort of permanent basis, then then they would do that. And if Imbula does the same, then fair enough. I mean. Players like Walshide, I'm, I'm not really sure. Again, he's, he's very much a player that splits opinion on whether he can actually defend or not. Um, I'm still not really sure where I sit on that. Um, and Howgard, yeah, Howgard I don't think is going to be a Stoke player for much longer, probably. Um, but yeah, Imbula's the one, really, that we, we hope will have a role, maybe. Yeah, the yeah the question is, is Imbula playing now just as a, as a means to put him in the shot window? And I suspect that's probably what's happening, given uh, how completely disregarded he was at the end of last season. I mean, I think we won't really full the, the know the full details of what happened with Imbula until he leaves, 
because obviously Hughes doesn't want to talk down his player too much now, uh, especially if he's trying to sell him. Um, so we'll 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 see what's said about his attitude and stuff. Uh, if I, I we've defended him a fair bit on this podcast, uh, just because we we know that he's a, a talented player and we and we have liked what we've seen of him on the whole. Really, I think I would like to see him play as like a, one of a midfield three that can run forward whilst uh, two other guys do the defensive work. I think there's potentially something that could be done there. Uh, with regards to his personality, again, you know, we we don't know what he's like. But the impression I get is his English isn't the best. He's probably a shy guy, and that personality isn't really suited to the Stoke dressing room. So may, maybe it's just one of those things where it where it doesn't work. Um, Chris, who else uh, has impressed you this preseason? Do you know what um, Darren Fletcher impressed me, especially yesterday in the the Monaco game. Um, I don't know why, um, because I know we we know his caliber and we know that he comes highly rated. But he, um, when he's played, yeah, he's he's impressed me and, and made me think that <laughs> what I had had regarded as oh my god, a, another Hughes freebie signing is actually quite a, an astute buy. And maybe Danny Higginbottom is right in that interview that he did with you, Dave, where he because he he said that um, Darren Fletcher is a, an astounding bit of business, and so. Yeah, I had hope so. And you know what? Like, I know he's come in for a bit of slack, but I have been impressed this uh, preseason with Sido. I think that he's shown himself to be a lot more energetic and a lot more. He's getting in the right positions, and I know we've said that for a while, but he, I don't. Something seems different this time. I know I saw someone comment yesterday that it's time we cut our losses with Sido. He's he's no use to us. He's lazy and all this stuff. Um, uh, and this was yeah no 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 I, I think I think Sido's going to be a guy who will divide opinion up until yeah. he gets his first league goal because yeah. um, like you say th- this preseason is really important for him it's really important that this preseason he gets back up to speed he finds his eye for goal which he did yesterday and and that's all positive uh, the, the question is can he start well in the league because the longer this drought continues after having had this preseason, and yeah, it's a tough run of fixtures as well, so it might be difficult. The longer that run goes on in the league, people are really going to get on his back, I yeah. think. Yeah, unfairly or unfairly, whatever way you look at it, but it it's a it's a really important period for Sidon out. Please, mm. he scored, and I hope he can get a few more in uh, before the season starts. Mm. He certainly can... looks fit enough now as well. Yeah. yeah. And you could see how much, even though it was a friendly, you could see how much that goal meant to him yesterday. I mean, he was absolutely beaming ear to ear. Like he, yeah, you are com- you are completely right. He needs to get that goal in the league sooner rather than later. But I'm hopeful for him this season. Uh, ben, any other players uh, catch your eye this preseason? We haven't mentioned Bojan. And, of course. And he has brought that silkiness that I think we all fell in love with, that sort of ease on the ball. Um, just, yeah, just his movement and his control and, and just everything about him. He just looks like a class act and, and he looks like he can he can sort of come back into the team and do a job again for us, which is which is very exciting. Um, another player, I don't think we mentioned a youth player quickly, was De- Telford, who I thought was really impressive in the first preseason fixture. And I've got a really strange story to tell about Delford. Uh, well, not really. I was at the cricket on Friday night 
in Manchester and I I was on the tram stop like station at, after the game and talking to these two lads next to me so, and it was mentioned that we were Stoke fans like what on earth are you Stoke fans with that accent classic um, and <laughs> they said have you have you heard of Dom Telford and it was me and my brother we said yeah we know Dom Telford he's, he's in Switzerland at the moment he played really well last week we thought he said yeah he's our best mate um, <laughs> and they proceeded to I mean I, I probably shouldn't say it on the podcast they proceeded to tell me, tell me a club that they think he's going to join oh, what? on loan on loan on loan oh my wait, wait. gosh T- tell me and uh, we might uh, we might remove it from the podcast we, we could bleep it always I think I think we it? should bleep it that would be quite funny actually okay um, the, the club is the club is apparently okay um, wow what I mean that's interesting that's really interesting yeah. a club of that size I would not have expected it um, yeah. anyway they proceeded to start FaceTiming Dom Telford <laughs> I was like what on earth is going on um, oh man I've, and then I was I mean obviously this was after a couple of beers so I asked them for their for their names they were like if you mention our names he'll talk to you for your podcast um and I've got their names <laughs> on my phone. Oh so my gosh! Gonna, at well, some point, we—I don't think we want to talk to him now because he's—he's he's leaving us to go to that club. <laughs> on yeah, loan. but only on loan. On loan. Oh, is it only on, on loan? loan? Oh, good. On loan. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yes, so we've I, got a bit of insider information. I've had to hold that within me for the past two days just to save it for this moment on the top. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Just, We've broken a story. This is the first bit of actual <laughs> journalism we've had on the podcast. It's amazing. Uh, sp- <laughs> speaking of players' mates, did you see uh, Josh Timon's buddies on Twitter? Mm. Oh, they, yes, they so really, funny. They really made me laugh. So, yeah, jo- Josh Timon uh, clearly retweeting some old mates uh, from home uh, who've who've seen him play against Monaco in the friendly. Um he retweeted one of his mates saying, as if you played against Mbappé today, two years ago, you were playing on the 3G in core PE. Totally mental, mate. And uh, <laughs> he, he's retweeted his mate, Harry, who said, me and the lads are currently sipping Smirnoff ice naked in a poverty hotel room and Timo's closing down Mbappé. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, right. Uh, back to pre-season then. Uh, whilst the ad hoc nature of our fixture announcements for these pre-season friendlies has uh, annoyed a few fans, uh, with two more friendlies recently announced against Amiens and St. Pauli, are you encouraged by us getting more playing time? Uh, sorry, are you encouraged by us getting more playing time under our belts? I think that it's uh, well. Again, you can only hope, but it, it's a case of Mark Hughes trying to address that fact that we start the season very slowly just try and get as many games in get us fit and up to speed at least that's what it feels like and i mean last preseason we won what one game we said and this time we've won two out of three so so far so good um but it, it I don't, yeah i think the more games we can get in at this period of time getting some of those squad players into the team and getting them up to speed as well uh, it can only be a good thing and and in the yeah. modern in the modern era it gives us more insight into actually what's going on obviously otherwise they they would be doing fitness work if there wasn't fixtures announced or they would be doing something but obviously with these with these games we can normally watch them on streams which is great for us and and actually have a sort of insight into if players are doing well where 
if there's like four games, you don't really get that. We've got loads of them. <laughs> did you yeah. did you see did you see the the clip with Boyan where he was saying uh, it's better it's better to be playing games and playing football rather than running up hills in Austria. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, before we get on to transfers, I wanted to talk about our partnership with FC St. Pauli. Now I know Chris, you're very excited about this. Could you explain why? I think, it, well, firstly, first and foremost, it's I absolutely adore St. Pauli as a club, um, politically more than football-wise, because if you follow them on the pitch, you'll realise that it's not all that singing and dancing. They're a second division side in Germany who, what, in the last 10 years have been up in the Bundesliga once, I think. Um, but they're a... They're a an absolutely fantastic club. They're not going to be everyone's cup of tea in in Staffordshire, in Stoke-on-Trent, but they're they're an absolutely fantastic club who have got a very interesting ethos around them, and that ethos that comes from the fans affects how the club is run. And so, there's a very very interesting dynamic and argument at the moment where it's the the, the morals of the the fan base and those who influence the club against the capitalist model of, of business and how those two interact because St. Pauli the fans are very much you know they're not for the big star signings or at least they're not that bothered they they're not bothered too much about commercial commercialization um it's about the passion in the stands it's about being um progressive people accepting of everyone whereas what I think we've done as a club is we've tied up with them because in terms of marketing, St. Pauli are also very, very interesting. They, they, like I say, they have all this left-wing progressive following, but that in turn leads to a cult following from around the world. They are, I think it's somewhat ridiculous, like they are the third biggest merchandise sellers of football clubs in Germany. Wow. When, I, when, when I went to Dortmund last year, in the big sports shop, you could get Bayern shirts, Dortmund shirts, St. Pauli. That was how it went. And and that's very, very interesting for this club that is so anti-capitalist. And anti- yeah, it's so anti-establishment that they are, they're this punk rock, but you can get them in your big stores. Um, and, that is mental. And I, th- and I think Stoke, sit, Stoke are recognising maybe that we're never going to be one of those teams who uh, is as big as United or Arsenal or something. But if we can establish ourselves as a court niche, then that's a good thing. I... <laughs> I think my, my my thoughts on this when it got announced was, because the big thing was, St. Pauli have a very cult following and we would like to recognise that and work with it. The cult following comes from the politics and I I don't know how Stoke are going to be able to tap into that. It's very yeah. interest, It's a very interesting time and it's it's a, such a surprise because this no one, well, I don't think anyone knew about it and it's come as a bit of a shock, but I love it. Yeah, I'm 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 fascinated by it. Purely from our perspective, perhaps more than theirs, because how I think this arrangement is going to work is that we will perhaps loan them one or two players a season, uh, which is obviously good for them, and might and might give some of our players some much-needed experience in a different league in a different country, which is great. But I'm interested in why we've chosen them specifically, because, like you say, Chris, the the St. Pauli fans' ethos, if you like, is 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 it not only alien to us it's alien to english football in general there's no there's no team in england who are this overtly political have this kind of identity so 
I'm interested as to why I've chosen them. That that marketing angle that you mentioned is really interesting because uh, they've managed to become this marketing phenomenon because of their cult phenomenon. Because because they have they they have this uh, left wing attitude and whatever uh, that that's in turn given them this really um, given them success like sort of within the confines of capitalism. They're like they're like. Yeah. Uh, they're like a, a band. They're like they're like a punk band that suddenly becomes really popular and commercial, aren't they? Now, so it, so it's interesting as to how we think we can use their knowledge of of marketing, etc. Um, I, I don't know what what is what is specific to Stoke that we could market around the world. Oh, <laughs> Jam. Um, so yeah, we're playing them on August the first, and it's a great opportunity for Stoke fans to visit a famous club in a great city. But right now, we'll get a St. Pauli perspective from the Millenton podcast, who Ben spoke to as part of our other podcast project, "Who Are You," which just by sheer coincidence, on the next episode of "Who Are You," is going to be focusing on St. Pauli. And whilst we've been preparing this episode, Stoke have announced this link. But but here they are anyway. We'll put links to uh, their podcast in the description. Um, yeah, in, in general, the discussions were going on uh, for a few months now because since our coach Evalinen, well, retired in some in some way, he was moved into a different position, which was. Uh, not existing before he took over. And uh, there they also said that they are looking for inter -co uh, international corporations. But, of course, they were not mentioning the country or even the club. And so this was also a big surprise to me today uh, because I would have expected something either from a lower, club in e lower league club in England, so maybe a second, but I don't know, second division, um, or is it called championship in England, right? Championship. Um, but I was more expecting something, I don't know, from Greece or any country in that direction. So, so not one of the big club, uh, big leagues in, in Europe. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious what this will bring out in the end. Um, I, I already learned that you are normally owned by a betting company, so Bet365. Uh, which will be looked at with uh, well, <laughs> not that that happy, uh, because we also have some some discussions going on about betting in general and the risks of it and so on. Um, yeah, but but if it really brings out some players who uh, who has no chance to play in the Premier League but are on contract with Stoke, well. Um, it can't do any harm. Uh, again, we don't sell ourselves with, with doing that cooperation. And if this also brings the values from St. Pauli more to England, that might also be appreciated from our side. And to say that, my only contact with Stoke City up to now um, was some years ago when I visited an Arsenal game. And uh, it was the weekend after Sir Stanley Matthews died. And we had a minute of silence in, at the Arsenal game. And the uh, stadium uh, guy said, well, we now do the minute of silence um, for Stanley Matthews, who played his whole life or something like this, for his beloved Stoke City. So this was my only uh, thing where I was connected to 
um, to Stoke City. And I hope I got that right. It was Sir Stanley Matthews, right? Yeah, to be honest, most people who reacted up to now were just referring to that betting uh, thing. Um, but I read something, let me just read it out loud here. Um, it, it's less odd when you look at Stoke. Their owner, Peter Coates, is probably the most socialist club owner going and has pledged to give away most of his wealth to good causes. He also does a lot for people locally out of his own pocket for no return. It's a good idea. So maybe we just need to work on make this a little bit more popular than just the betting thing. Um, no, I think this this has to develop over the next couple of months. Um, of course, uh, I think if St. Pauli uh, looks for players at the moment, we, we do uh, a nationwide scouting, but... When it comes to youth players, maybe it's only the northern part of Germany. And at least in the press announcement, they now said that they would like to participate of the worldwide scouting of Stoke City. And uh, I think an exchange is always a good idea from from clubs from different countries. Um, if it's be scouting, if it's be the the trainer coaching. Uh, developing young players, how how to do that, and I, I think that there will be plenty of ways to to uh, to have some good aspects from that cooperation. But I I can't say in detail what this will bring. Of course, if you have uh, is Anatovic still playing at your club? Right, we'll move on to transfer business then. Obviously, Arnie is continuing to dominate the headlines. We reacted to his transfer request last episode. Are we resigned to him leaving? I well, I don't know if I'm resigned from leaving. Like West Ham still need to come up with an increased bid or someone else, obviously. Um, but my feeling that I've now had—I mean, I know this is this is pretty standard opinion. It's not something out there, but I I really can't sort of see myself enjoying him in a Stoke shirt anymore. I I, I know that's not that should be wrong, but I've like been thinking about it, and it's like. Why do you do this to us? I and it, I, I just, it's happened before. I think John Walters did it a couple of times, maybe, and, and a couple of people have brought that up. But that was different because John Walters wasn't playing really, or he was sort of with an eye for the future, thinking I might not be as involved for the next season or whatever. Arnautovic is, is the club legend. He's he's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's loved by Mark Hughes. He is basically the Mark Hughes signing for. He'll be remembered as a sort of Mark Hughes' best signing. And the Mark I just can't get. <laughs> there we go. Um, I just can't get my head around that this switch. I know it's uh, probably money, but why force it so like this? Why why make a transfer request? It's just if a club wants to buy a player, you don't need to make a transfer request. I don't, I don't know. And I just I'm I'm just kind of angry at, at Marco now. Chris, uh, we don't need the money. We don't want to sell him to a Premier League rival. Why can't we just keep him? We could do. We could just keep him. And um, if you read the Sentinel piece that came out today, there was the talk that there, there is no issue if the if the evaluation that Stoke have set is not met. Marco Anatovic will not be ostracised. He won't be put to play with the youth team. He won't be put on his own. He will still be in the first team. He will still be around them. He'll still play games because he's an important player for us. Um, I think Ben's right. It will sour the fans relationship with him because it's I, I don't understand why he would do this like 
Do you know what? I would I would have absolutely no issue if he'd put in a transfer request because he wanted to go to a bigger club in 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 this league or in in another in another country. I would understand it. Even if even if he'd seen what Everton are doing and he'd put in a transfer request mm. to go to Everton, West Ham, I just I don't get and and they the, and the West so Ham fan now. Uh, yeah, uh, I just hate them so and, much. They're just awful, that, awful people. And for that reason, it's it's awful. But I want Marco to go there and fail. I want him to go to West Ham, <laughs> and I want him. I want them to hate him. I want him to be the their I want him to be their record signing but then be an absolute flop because it just it it just just it just sounds like he's going for for the cash and again I if Danny we sold him bottom levels of honesty there from Chris by the way <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's true cuz I just don't understand why you would do this like apart from He's living it. He would live in a bigger city in the oh, capital, the and for more money. Like, and and I suppose that that's if we've been realistic about it. If you were offered the same job in a nicer location for uh, increased wage, you would take it. I think the London factor is 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 a big one. Uh, a lot of players want to go there, and obviously, uh, the the pull of the capital city is what it is. But I'm wondering, like. If we kept him, if we just said no, West Ham, you, you're not, you're not getting him unless you pay stupid amounts of money. We keep him, we play him. He plays well, he scores. Do the fans forgive him? Do the fans? Mm. Um, yes, because we're all fickle. We're all fickle yeah. as anything. <laughs> yeah, like look at um, look at Nzonzi now. Nzonzi put in transfer request every single summer that he was with us, and people called him Mardi and said that he was a rubbish player and now when he did move everyone's like well we didn't get enough money for him and everyone can see what a great player he is um like people can forgive a lot of things and if marco stays and he has a blinding season i don't think anyone would begrudge him even going on next season, going next summer to a bigger club, I don't think anyone would begrudge him leaving now for a bigger club. It's just the fact that it's West Ham, and yeah. that they're just seen as they're on a similar par as us. Like there was a West Ham fan who on Twitter was having a go. It's like West Ham Central, the worst account, but they <laughs> they're saying he's an awful specimen. Yeah, he like look, he's he he's replying to Stoke fans saying, look at oh, look at your recent history and tell us that we're not a bigger club. And it's like, mate, you've been relegated in our time we've been in the Premier League. Like, don't don't come at us with your, oh, we're a, we're a bigger club because you've got a free stadium. Like, There was one guy who replied to the Wizards of Drivel saying, well, if you look in terms of resources, we're just as big a club as Everton and Roma. Like that's a that's a depressing way to think oh, about football like, in terms of like the monetary assets of each club. But oh, you're nowhere near Everton and Roma on the no. pitch, off the pitch. Just like Pie left West Ham to go and just arse it about in Marseille because he was bored. Yeah, like, I just I just hate West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Can you? It, oh. I was going to say I, if, I, if, if if Arnautovic stays now, and obviously there will be a sort of a bad atmosphere in a stadium I think there's there's no doubt Stoke fans will not be happy um, 
come the first home game of the season. Do you think Marco Anasovic would be able to to sort of prosper in that environment? Because I would imagine that he'd, he'd sort of struggle with that. Well, even even when he has played well for Stoke, he's had people on his back. So I don't I don't think he'll. Um... But there's people. There's the odd like the, there's the odd person like having a go at someone, sort of shouting on their own, maybe where or maybe a few groans when he loses the ball. But it would literally well, be it could be verging on boos for Mark Anatovich. Well, do, do, do you do you think we'll we'll boo our own player when they touch the ball? Is that I don't know. Is that something we do? Um, it's not something I'd do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I'd like to think that at least for the time they're on the pitch. We support them. We might think they're a they're a total dickhead and uh, want them gone, etc. But on the pitch, surely we'd 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 back our own players to score because otherwise, what's the what's the point of being a fan? Mm. You know, you can't you can't support ten players and not the eleventh, can you? So it's no. when <laughs> we can prosper in that environment is is interesting. I mean, he he'll have played in front of hostile crowds before. He's he's doing a job at the end of the day. He's well paid yeah. for. So. I, you'd like to think he'd be able to get yeah. on with it. It doesn't not well paid enough. Clearly, it doesn't. It doesn't affect the trajectory of a football, does it? So, no. Um, I like I like some of the Stokes fans' coping mechanisms, though. Where there's there seems to be, and and yeah, you said Ben that he he divides people in the sense you get one or two people who criticise him anyway. But I've seen some Stoke fans um, saying, "Oh well, twenty-two mil. That's eleven mil for every for the two well for each game he turns up in in the season oh, like no he's 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 oh, not God. yeah like and i understand that's just people angry and they're like yeah well we don't need him we'll get rid um but that, that, that that's per- that's a perfectly all right response if you're talking to a west ham fan and you want to just bring him <laughs> down a peg but i i just can't get on board with with that um we'll move on then to bruno martins indy who's causing us a lot of worry at the moment, Mark, you slamming fake news in the media lately. Are we concerned <laughs> not just about Mark Hughes turning into Donald Trump, but Bruno potentially not arriving? I'm, yes. I'm not. Oh, go on then. What? I'm, I'm nervous. I, I mean, what are these Sky sources? Can we trust these Sky sources with sort of no. like, no. like, what on earth is going on here? It's just been the strangest week. We were so happy. When it was like Bruno's coming for a medical tomorrow, um, and it was like after the Arnautovic thing, it's like yes, we've seen the light. We're gonna win the league. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have a great defence. We're gonna have twenty-five clean sheets next season. And then it's, the week went through. It's like no, actually, Crystal Palace wants him. And then everyone's like, oh, oh God, it's De Boer. He's gonna join him because it's De Boer, and, and he wants to move to London. And and now we're sort of. I feel like we're kind of back at square one where no one just really knows what's going on with it. Um, I am very nervous. I really want to see him in a Stoke shirt again, as we all do. Um, and he's so young. He's, he's so promising. As well. I think it's easy to forget how young Bruno Martins Indy is. So, oh, yeah. Chris, I think the last I heard he was travelling with to, to Mexico with the Porto team for pre-season. So that can't be very helpful, can it? But you're you're confident we'll sign him? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like 100% Yep, he'll be our player come the Everton game. But I I do think that a lot of this is just uh, Chinese whispers and um, social media blowing up a little bit too much. Um, it's annoying that we've not gone and followed through with the clause that we had. It's been a frustrating thing. But 
I am more confident than I am not that he will still come to Stoke. Um, and the chat about Kurt Zuma that's going on, I'm equally... If, if Bruno was to fall through and we got Zuma, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay. But but it's a loan deal for Kurt Zuma. It wouldn't be as good. It would. I mean, I love Kurt Zuma more than the next guy. Like I've always been a fan of his since... Um, he joined Chelsea, and he, I've, I know some St Etienne fans who absolutely adore him. Um, but it's just not the same, is it, with a loan deal, especially when it's Chelsea? And it's a roughly an eight million pound loan deal as well, which I think uh, includes his wages as well as having a loan fee in that. So it's it's an expensive loan deal. Um, not since the days of Shola Amiobi have we potentially paid this much for for a loan, and we. <laughs> He got us promoted, of course. So, um, uh, yeah, but Zoom is a good player, uh, and I think we'd be pleased if he signed on loan. And also, we'd be delighted if Bruno signed as well. So, if we get those two, Ben, what would it mean for Ryan Shawcross? Does it mean we go three at the back? I think I I can't see us playing a loan signing over the club captain. I can't see Ryan Shawcross sort of missing out because of it. Obviously, he's had that that back twinge in the in the preseason. I I don't know if there's any more fresh news on that, but he um there's certainly a need for cover in that position when Ryan has had such injury problems over the last sort of eighteen months now. Um but I, I, I yeah, I, I think they would be two fantastic signings. We we definitely need one centre back in, regardless of what happens, because we're gonna lose Walshire, probably lose Muniesa maybe. Um so we do need one, if not two, signings. But I think Kurt Zuma is probably going to come in as as cover, really. And unless he sort of really impresses, I'm not. The thing I, is with I, Kurt I Zuma, I, I can't see us because apparently a lot of clubs are in for Kurt Zuma. I can't see us signing him on loan from Chelsea and paying this big loan fee. I can't see him joining us if we can't guarantee him first team football pretty then much I every think, week. Then I think that we'll be playing three at the back then, or maybe the Bruno Martins Indy deal is like is going down the pan. Mm. Well, it's an interesting one because if if we do go three at the back, uh, that's that's interesting, and a back three of Shawcross, Martins, Indy, Zuma is potentially very exciting. Uh, I think if if we did that though, uh, we'd have to keep Munieza because I think he operates best in the back three, and we'd need kind of more cover. Uh, at centre half, if if that's the way we went, but this is just my opinion now. I think we're best with a back four, and the re- the the concern I have about the back three isn't the actual three defenders; it's the wing back situation because we don't have any. Time and maybe he's a wing back, maybe Sobby could play there, but Eric Peters isn't a wing back. Mam Juf isn't a wing back. Neither are Johnson and Bardsley. They're not. They they just don't have the either the energy or the the technical skills required to play those advanced positions. So if if I was the manager now, I'd want a back four with two centre-halves. And if if I'm picking two centre-halves from those, uh, from Zuma, Martins, Indy, Shawcross, Munieza, I'm picking Martins, Indy and Zuma as much as I love Ryan and think he should still be club captain and think he's still got a lot to offer us. I'm picking the two inform quote-unquote best defenders of those three 
I, I, I agree. I think with, when when Zuma was on, on peak form for Chelsea, um, I can't remember when he got injured with that horrific knee injury um, a while ago now. But anyway, before that, he was playing for Chelsea quite regularly and doing fantastically well. Um, but then he's got an injury, which was horrific. I haven't really seen him play much since then. I mean, he's probably not lost it completely, but we don't actually... He's sort of a, a, an unknown quantity in that aspect because I, well, I haven't seen him play. He hasn't played for Chelsea this season because their defence was doing so fantastic without him. Um, and it's not like we can, we've can we had him on a trial to see if he's he's amazing still. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I agree with... I think that they're the two best technical defenders, but I can't see that Shawcross getting dropped, really, when he's fit. I, 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 wouldn't mm. see, I couldn't see that happening. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. And if we do sign those two, as we hope we do, when, um, then it's up to you, Mark, as, as to... Uh, as to what you do with them, really. Um, we'll move on to some correspondence then before we wrap up. Uh, Stokey23 says, Youth players have impressed, have actually outplayed some of the senior players. Defence is a major issue. Need players in as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, I think we completely agree with that. Um, like we said before about these youth players, it's it's making sure they get game time somewhere. So if... We need to loan them out. Let's do. Let's commit to loaning them out rather than keep them in this kind of first team under twenty three limbo. Because whilst they may get a few games to under twenty three, it's not the same standard as playing in League One, League Two with with grown men essentially. So I'd I'd like to see us just make firm decisions on what we want to do with with each and every player. If Ar- if Arnie was to go, could you see us not buying a replacement and instead? fitting Sobby in there and then relying on some of the younger players to potentially yeah I think if if we were to sign a, uh, an Arnie replacement uh, he'd have to be really bloody good it, it'd have to be a 20 million pound plus signing because I, I can't think of a player we can as good as Arnie we can realistically replace him with however the prospect of Sobby coming in is an exciting one and a lot of fans are are optimistic about Sobby being being able to do this job. So if that's the case, yeah, we'd have to start Sobby. And there's no point signing a player to be our second choice winger, really, is there? Either sign a first choice winger to replace him, or promote the youth. And I quite like the idea of promoting through youth. So having Sobby as your first choice winger with Verlinden and Goy as someone as, as the second choice is perhaps the way to go I think so I, d- I don't know about you what do you think is 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 not making a marquee signing after losing the player that's that's generated 25% of our goals I think over the last two seasons uh, not a giant risk I mean he was up there well, with our yeah. best players and he wasn't even on top form last season it is a risk but at the same time I suppose any marquee signing is also a risk isn't it you could spend you could spend 20 million pounds on a replacement who might just simply not be as good he might not might not even be as good as Sobby potentially could be you know you never know um there's just so there's so much uncertainty around Stoke at the moment we don't know what defense we're going to have we don't know what our our wingers are going to look like it's it's all very interesting lads and uh that's one uh, word for it yeah uh the summer rumbles on of course Ollie Walton says encouraging signs but we need the defense sorting ASAP that's exactly what Stokey23 said. Uh, Imbula and Fletcher look comfortable together, but there are matches to come yet. Um, Dutch Potters, 
Uh, hi, Henry. He said, both Tom Edwards and Thibaut Verlinden really impressed me. Only one loss so far, and that's against a CL semi-finalist. Decent IMO. Uh, so, yeah, like, like I said at the start, it's this weird mix of encouraging signs on the pitch, some encouraging performances, Sido scored, and at the same time, just massive kind of question marks over the transfer situation. Are we going to sign Bruno? Is Arnie going to go? Are we going to sign players to replace these players who might leave? Uh, and finally, question from Lee Hawthorne, Orphy Docknag. Which away game have you most got the hots for this season? Uh, Chris? Um, I, I'm i not going, but I really would have liked to have done the St. Pauli friendly. Like, that's the one that's got me excited more than any of the league fixtures this year. Um, do you know what? In terms of Premier League, I would really like to do Huddersfield. I'd really look forward to that. We've already mentioned the podcast once, so I'll plug it again after Dave's sort of script writing and, and beautiful descriptions of Huddersfield Town Centre. I've always, I've wanted to visit ever since, so that is that was the choice I was going to make. Also, Everton on the first day of the season, I'd love to do. Um, and yet, now that now that I'm I'm in Manchester with with um, and I've I can afford to go to a game, I would love to go to um, Man City because I've never been to Etihad. And I think it's I've I've done Emirates. Obviously, these are sort of the complete opposite end of the Huddersfield, but and they're very corporate. But I think the Etihad and the Emirates are the sort of the two prettiest, though not prettiest, just like impressive stadiums in England. So I'd I'd quite like to go there for a Stoke game as well. Yeah, you brought up uh, St. Pauli, Chris, and um, just like this is just like the only this could only happen to me. Like uh, as part of Who Are Your podcast, I've booked a ticket to a St. Pauli friendly against Werder Bremen and I'm going next week and I'm really excited I'm going to Hamburg for a few days and it's going to be great but they're just bloody typical that just Stoke announced this link up announced this friendly and think oh god I've got to see Stoke play there for three euros um, but but I'm lo- looking forward to St. Pauli anyway fascinating club as you mentioned I think in terms of the Premier League I'm also looking forward to Huddersfield and hopefully I can get down uh, but I'm also really glad Newcastle are back. And not only is Newcastle a, a great place to visit and a great stadium to visit, they've also moved the away end next season, which means you're not stuck right up in the gods and you're further down, which means I can actually see what's happening this time, which is going to be great. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Are we looking forward to the season? I think I am. Don't ask me why, but I think I am. I think I just missed football. I've got that stupid um, optimism that you only get in pre-season where I, regardless of how I felt the back end of last season, we've had a few weeks off and now I'm like, we could do well, you know, we could, everything could change and everything might be well. And I hope it will. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic for the football. I've got, I've got a sense of impending doom, but I am excited for it to start again. <laughs> I've got. I just whenever well, I think of the season, I've just got a bit of butterflies in my in my stomach. But that happened pretty much every every season. I'm always sort of on the cusp of of, of worrying too much about Stoke getting relegated. So it was it was only last season that I didn't worry about that. So impending doom, but excitement is kind of a perfect way to describe being a Stoke fan, really. So on that bombshell, we'll leave you there. Thank you very much, lads, for joining me. Uh, reminder of all our social media stuff we're on twitter at wizards of drivel facebook.com slash wizards of drivel now really check out our facebook page because gareth cooper shout out to gareth is doing a lot of stuff over there and it's 
Uh, it's got some fantastic videos and graphics and stuff. Uh, some just just some great Stoke nostalgia up there. That's really worth checking out. Um, of course, if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. And if you want to support the podcast without giving us money, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Go on, Stoke.